You're listening to episode number 86 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today, we're chatting about the foods to avoid when you're on a grocery budget, keto non-essentials to hit your grocery budget, how to merge keto with AIP protocols, and so much more. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E86. And I got two cool things for you. The first is that I was massively addicted to sugar for a very long time. And I know that it's something that many of us continue to struggle with. So I created a three page freebie with five steps you can take right now to end your addiction to sugar. You can get it at healthfulpursuit.com slash sugar. And I will include the link in the show notes too. Lastly, I am going back on tour and you can head on over to ketodietbook.com slash tour to see if your city is on the list and RSVP so we can hang out, chat about all things keto and I can sign your book if you have a copy or not and we'll just chill and be awesome keto people. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. And now, here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel. The podcast is sponsored by the following awesome brands. Can't find the links? Just check out the show notes of today's episode. First up is Perfect Keto MCT Oil Powder. Now, MCT stands for medium chain triglycerides, which are sent directly to the liver to be used for either instant energy or turned into ketones. Now, if you've used MCT oil, you know that it spills and gets everywhere. It's kind of a hot mess. You can't put it in styrofoam. Otherwise, it'll completely eat up your cup. There are just a lot of issues with MCT oil specifically because you want to travel with it and you just can't. That's what I found. And so I switched over to MCT oil powder and I've never looked back. I love this stuff. It's so great. It's not messy. And with the Perfect Keto brand, you don't have to worry about any added fillers, junk or things that are going to spike your blood sugar. I just enjoy adding it to coffee, tea, smoothies, just about anything. You can use the coupon code HEALTHFUL, all in caps, no spaces, for 15% off at perfectketo.com. Next up is Paleo Valley. I've been eating their new turkey sticks like crazy. Each stick has 1 billion probiotic CFUs. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, zero grams of sugar. And it's nice knowing that I'm eating a snack that's actually contributing to my gut health and it's not just meat. And there's nothing wrong with just meat. But if I can like kill two birds with one stone, I hate that saying, but it works here. Then why wouldn't I? Eating high quality meat and also contributing to my overall gut health. You you can grab 20% off their fermented stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com slash keto. Last up is Thrive Market. Now, Thrive Market is only available in the U.S. and they really make grocery shopping easy. All of my favorite brands are there for upwards of 30% off what you would see on Amazon and way more if you compare it to Whole Foods prices. And you can get $20 off your first three boxes of groceries plus free shipping and a 30-day trial by using Thrive Market. That's a total of $60 in savings, equivalent of three tubs of collagen or over four 
three pound bags of cacao butter or get this a half year supply of free digestive enzymes all for switching to thrive market for your online grocery needs you can head on over to thrivemarket.com keto to get your instant 60 percent off free shipping and a free 30-day membership this offer is only available to new thrive market customers only Today's guest is Christina Kerp. She's a creative mind behind the Castaway Kitchen, a blog dedicated to delicious foods and healing diets for everyone, no matter their budget. In the last few years, through self-experimentation and dedication, Christina has healed her body from leaky gut and lost over 60 pounds, putting her autoimmune disease in remission while minding the budget of her family of three and living on a military base in Hawaii. Christina holds a BA in anthropology from Florida International University and has over six years of commercial kitchen experience using her restaurant chef skills and love for food. She now creates recipes to help others find health and happiness through keto, paleo, and AIP lifestyles without spending a lot of money. Christina has a cookbook coming out July 17th called Made Whole. Over 145 dairy, nut, and nightshade-free recipes, many of which are AIP-friendly, coconut-free, egg-free, paleo, and budget-friendly. Hey, Christina, how's it going? Hi, I'm good, and you, Leanne? I'm so good. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. And for listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you? Thanks. So I am Christina. Uh, I'm Miami native, born and raised um, Cuban. My parents are Cuban, so first generation American. um, And I was a restaurant chef for a few years, not by schooling. I like majored in sociology and anthropology, but... um, I was always a foodie and I loved to cook and my mom owned a restaurant and um, somewhere in my 20s, I ended up working for her and I was really good at it. So I kind of just stayed in the restaurant business um, for about eight years. I worked at a food truck in San Diego and pop-up dinners and catering and I always loved to cook like from scratch and like organic and I was vegan for a while. But two years after I had my son, I was so miserable and I mean, I was so it doesn't matter what I did. I had my I have autoimmune issues, which were out of control. I was fatigued. I was swollen. And I was 29 years old and just like I'm shambles. And I kind of said enough. And I started to change my diet. Um, and that was three years ago. Um, and through several whole 30s, the autoimmune protocol, going keto, just like I'm really big on elimination diets, um, especially when you have as many issues as I do. <laughs> um, and I've been able to reverse like autoimmune disease, lose a ton of weight, just turn my life around through diet and lifestyle changes. Um, and it's interesting how it kind of all compounds, like you change your diet and then you start working out a little bit more and then you practice more self-love stuff. And then it kind of just snowballs into this, I don't know, like rebirth, I feel. Um, and I'm so passionate about it that I took my cooking skills online. And so I blog and this is what I do now. So I have a food blog and, and yeah, I just share my journey and my recipes that got me healthy with everyone else and uh, you know share the like I guess it's, it's I'm really big on like telling people you have to figure out what works for you because we're each so unique so it's all about the n1 experiment and motivation mm-hmm. completely and what does keto mean to you I always like to ask our guests that because everyone answers it a little bit different but what does keto mean to you so I was, it, I was interested, I was just talking about this yesterday because I was a, so I came from the paleo background. I, when I first changed my life, I did, I started through a whole 30, stayed paleo, did the autoimmune protocol. And then I started in my, when I started tweaking, cause it just, it kind of was like, it wasn't enough, I guess. I was like, okay, I know I can feel better. I know I can do better. 
And I found my way to keto through like Mark Sisson's work and Rob Wolf. So for me, um, I love low carb paleo. And I'll tell you that my jump from low carb paleo to keto, there was a transition. So for me, keto meant eliminating all sugars. Like I'm, I learned I'm severely insulin resistant. So for me, it meant keto is like low carb in the sense of like no butter, even like with my squashes, like I don't really do fruit unless it's berries. And it, and I don't know, I think I, I just kind of replaced the carbs that were in my diet with fat and protein instead. So for me, keto means like a really clean, high fat diet that I don't know, like fuels me. I, I have a, like an energy and a satiety that I, I've never experienced before with anything else. That's so great. And I just love asking that question because everyone says something a little bit different. And it's really cool to see that keto can mean so many different things to so many different people. So I really like that. Um, Okay, so today we're going to be chatting all about how to cut keto grocery costs. And for somebody living on an island, I figured you would be one of the best people to really hone in on how to make all this work on a budget. So if you're cool, we'll dive in. We have lots of questioners, uh, questions rather from listeners. And I, first off, I would love to ask, what are your favorite keto budget-friendly staples? Like, What can you not live without? Okay, so I, I used to be a, like a breast-only girl in another life, like white meat only, but boneless, skinless chicken thighs are so affordable. Like they're like half the price of like, right, of chicken thighs, like, I mean of chicken breast, like when you're buying chicken products. So I learned to love the chicken thigh um, and ground beef. Ground beef is another one, like 85% lean, the one that's 15% fat. It's crazy because these two proteins are always substantially cheaper than other options and they're delicious and especially on keto they're great because they're higher fat protein so those are two staples in my house like we do a lot of ground beef and we do a lot of chicken diet especially because i like to buy grass-fed and organic or pastured i can get this stuff for like five six dollars a pound whereas other cuts are going to be eight nine ten dollars a pound and as far as vegetables go broccoli lettuce cabbage like cabbage is always really cheap and it's so good for you and it's so versatile. So those are super staples. Um, I do like canned coconut milk, which you can get for the most part pretty cheap. Like Whole Foods now has like the Amazon prices, which makes a big difference because you can get some good quality items. Um, like their canned coconut milk right now is like 150 for the organic kind and it's really good. Frozen veggies are a lifesaver and they tend to all be cheap, even, even the frozen options. Um, Buying whole chickens is a really good way to save money because you get like more per pound. Plus, you can save the bones to make your own broth. Um, what's my other one? And coconut oil. Coconut oil for me is like the most versatile fat. If you don't, if you can't keep in stock several types of fats, have coconut oil on hand. You can cook high heat with it. You can put it in your coffee. You can bake with it. You can do all the things with coconut oil. So those are my essentials. <laughs> I love it. And where do you typically shop? Like you mentioned Whole Foods. Do you shop sometimes online or do you um, frequent like farmer's markets or what's your jam? Um, I shop around. I learned when we moved to Hawaii. So to give people a little background, like food costs and living costs in general here, like rival cities like New York and San Francisco, it's extremely expensive. Um, And even stores at like Safeway, like the Kroger stores are ridiculously expensive. So I shop um, so I, I'm military, so we have a commissary, which is like an on-base um, grocery store, which has what a regular grocery store would have, nothing really special. Um, and I shop what I can there because it'll always be the cheapest. 
but then I do Costco. I like once a month or once every two months. I like to go to Costco because I can get bulk items. The trick with Costco though is not being swayed by like all the fun stuff they have. <laughs> like, yeah, it's take the necessities. And I do farmers markets, but I feel like out here they're not as cheap as other places. Like when I lived in San Diego, if you went to the farmers market in the afternoon right before they were closing, you could buy like two weeks worth of vegetables for twenty bucks. Out here it's not it's it's not as cheap. So I shop where I do like some things at Whole Foods. The things that are cheaper, which honestly with the Amazon prices in Hawaii, at least I can get like I can get grass and ground beef cheaper at Whole Foods than I can on base, which is crazy to me. So I've learned to to kind of follow the deal. You know, eggs are cheaper here, meats cheaper here, I can get frozen veggies cheaper here. But I go to two or three stores. Wow, that's commitment. That's amazing. And how does organic and non GMO fit into that? Is that important to you? Do you find it difficult to find or What's your feel? Uh, I have to prioritize. Prioritize. Um, so in a perfect world, I could afford all organic produce, all organic protein, all pastured eggs all the time. That's just not our reality. Especially like when we moved to Hawaii, um, which three years ago, I was I had been a stay-at-home mom for two years. So we we're a single-income military family. All of a sudden, I'm living in Hawaii. Like what? Uh, and I had to really, really, really budget for the first time ever. So what I do is I try and allocate most of my funds to buying if I if I can source grass-fed um, proteins and like pasture proteins like eggs and grass-fed beef and chicken that's like hormone-free and then what's left I guess is like I do my best with produce and with produce the great way to, to save money on produce that's still get good quality is buying season like whatever's in season is all going to be cheaper or buy frozen and let's say if I have to like you know pick and choose like okay I'll get um, avocados that are conventional, but if I'm going to get berries, I pretty much almost want to get organic, um, stuff like that. So I, it's really about shopping for things that you know your family's going to use and you're going to eat and, you know, making the compromises that you're, that you feel comfortable with. And I think that's different for everybody, but it's okay. Like know that you don't have to have the pressure of buying the perfectly, you know, local, sustainable, grass-fed all the time. Like, I wish I could afford the really good eggs all the time, but sometimes I just buy the ones that are on sale because I need eggs and I can't pay $10 for them. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. Sometimes those eggs are just ridiculous. And also too, you have to be so careful because sometimes it says organic eggs and you're like, you forget to look for the free range and then you spend like $8 on the eggs and you come home and the yolks are like pale yellow and you're like, shoot, I've been duped again. I know. It's so crazy because out like, so there's this one brand of eggs out here. Like you never know with eggs. It's so shady. You're right. Like the packaging. And besides like, you never know what they're feeding the chickens anyway. So even organic eggs, like or even organic or pasture chickens can still be getting soy and corn feed. Like a lot of egg farmers don't even like, you know, they don't um, disclose what they're feeding their chickens. So if you have like a really severe soy or corn allergy, that's when you really have to like, okay, spend the money, I guess. But luckily we haven't in my family, um, like even through my AIP stuff, like I've been able to reintroduce eggs and none of us have um, sensitivities to them, thank goodness. But I agree, like it's all about like making the compromises that you're comfortable with, the things that you know you do you do well with. So for me, I know I don't do well. Like protein, chicken, pork especially, like it has to be organic. I can conventional beef kills me. And I know this because I tried, like there were times where things were really tight and I was just buying the beef at the commissary on base, which who knows where the military sources of stuff. And I would react. So 
I, I learned that for me, that was a non-negotiable. Wow. How do you react to beef? Like, what would be a reaction if people are like, you can react to beef? Can you explain yeah, what so, that's like? Yeah, like, like, certain, I mean, I think it comes to just what they're being fed or like, or I don't know what, but I would get like um, inflammation in my joints. That's one of my first, I call it like my, my red flag is um, joint pain, my fingers and my knees and my ankles and like my fingers swell. Because um, like, by the way, I lived most of my life thinking that was normal. Like, hey, I go for a walk and my fingers look like sausages. Yeah, no, that's not normal. <laughs> so it doesn't happen anymore. But it used to happen all the time. And when I was doing my elimination diets and the, the weeks that I would kind of be like, okay, we're a little tight this week. Let's just like, I'm going to go get like a, a pork butt from the commissary and just like, oh my gosh, I was reacting to it. And so my dad's a butcher and he was visiting one day and I was cooking and I was telling him about the pork and he was... He's telling me that a lot of times, like especially with white meat, like chicken and pork, they inject this food with like a solution to plump it up so it weighs more for sale. And a lot of times this solution, which they don't have to disclose all of the ingredients on the label, contain like starches and they can contain potato starch, which I react to potatoes. <laughs> so yeah, crazy things they do with food in this country. I had no idea of this. I know that I I knew that they injected them with a solution, but I thought it was just water. <laughs> ideally, it's water and salt, which not ideally. I mean, I wish they wouldn't do that anyway. But no, my dad was telling me that yeah, that sometimes it's like it, it has like some kind of starch in it, and it has a potato in it. He's been my dad owns a butcher shop. He's been doing this for like thirty something years, and he does not sell like grass fed stuff. Um, so he definitely knows like all the conventional farming stuff, and yeah, it's not it's, it's weird. And also terrifying. Um, (laughs) On a grocery budget, I know, and I've learned this time and time again, that there are certain foods you just don't buy when you're trying to hit your budget. And what are those foods for you? Or what are those types of foods that you avoid? Okay, so I don't buy fancy, like I said, unfortunately, like if you're on a budget, you're not going to be eating ribeyes. Like, don't even look at the steak. (laughs) You can't afford it. Um, Like I said, I do a lot of ground beef and that kind of stuff. But the things that I think people, it gets away from them, especially when you're doing a special diet like keto, like AIP, is that you think that you need all the the convenience items. Like you don't really need the nut butters or seed butters or like the coconut butter, um, treats, supplements, even like the, the store-bought like nut milks or creamers, um, any, any specialty item. Essentially, you can make this stuff at home and it's going to be cheaper, but really you can do a, you can have a successful like diet without them in it at all um, like you're going to be spending the bulk of your money on other things now like cooking oil um, or you know finding better proteins so you might have to cut out like the $12 jar of almond butter it's just a reality so I think people often think like oh I need this like MCT oil I love MCT oil it's great but if I'm if I'm tight one week I can't drop the extra 20 bucks on a bottle of MCT oil I'm not going to do it And I'm okay. I can survive without the MCT oil. You know, it's not, you don't need it to succeed. Just put regular coconut oil that you already have because you're already cooking with it. And it has MCTs in it, you know? I think people feel like they need these things, these specialty items. But at the end of the day, if you're really on a budget, stick to the basics, stick to ingredients that you're going to cook with. Mm -hmm. 
It's like when I watch, um, I'm in a hotel room right now and I'm watching cable TV because I don't have cable TV at home and I'm watching HGTV and they're always like, I have to move. My closet is too small. And you walk in, it's like another bedroom. I'm like, get rid of some clothes. You don't need all of that. It's the same thing. It's like, if I can live with 20 articles of clothing, you can live with like a hundred and have a regular size closet. You don't need to move. And I think it's the same thing with budgeting or anything. It's like, do you actually really absolutely need this product? Right. I think I always tell people, if you're going to invest something, you're either going to invest time or you're going to invest money and you got to pick which one you have enough to give. So either you Mm. take the time in the kitchen and you have to cook more things from scratch and make your own mayo and make your own broth and those kind of like staples, or you spend the money and you buy them pre-bought. Luckily nowadays, there are so many good options in the stores. I mean, really, I love where the market is going um, in terms of like amazing products that you can buy that make eating this way more convenient. But I've been there where I can't afford them. And bones are going to be cheaper than buying the store-bought bone broth. So yeah. if you're on a budget, you got to pick the bones. <laughs> yeah, totally. And maybe be pixie choosy. If you hate the smell of cooking bone broth, buy a bone broth, but make your own avocado oil mayo because that stuff was like $11 a little jar. <laughs> and so being choosy. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Speaking about time and investing time, do you use coupons at all? And how do you navigate that? I do. I mean, unfortunately, coupons aren't something that like come avail- become available for health food items. You know, just the way that I guess the cookie crumbles, like you rarely ever see coupons for like steak. But every now and then, especially when you walk around the store, like the kind of coupons that are like, like hanging off the shelf, like next to the item. Um, if you keep your eyes peeled, every like sometimes you'll get them on eggs, um, like Nelly's Free Range Eggs, which is like the brand of free range eggs they have on base, which are actually pretty good. Every now and then they'll have like a dollar off coupon, and let me tell you, that's the week that I buy like six dozen eggs. <laughs> I hoard them. <laughs> they also like random things that you'd never think would have coupons, like frozen shrimp or um, butter. Like Kerrygold sometimes has like coupons going on at the store, and like gee. I can't really do butter, but I can do ghee sometimes. And but buy a jar of ghee is like you have to drop a liver for that stuff. So I make my own. Um, and so when Carrie goes on sale, that's the kind of thing. So I don't have like coupons that I cut out ahead of time. But when I'm at the store, I keep my eyes peeled for those kind of deals on products that I would otherwise maybe skip because they're a little, you know. But I'm like, hey, it's like there was like Alter Eco chocolate last week. I hope we've had a dollar off coupon. So what? I yes, oh my I gosh. I would have bought the whole box. (laughs) (laughs) But then blow the budget. Um, Okay. And do you find since going keto, I know that I sure did that we were spending the same amount of money on groceries, but we were able to buy more high quality things because we just weren't eating as much food. So like, instead of eating six times a day, now I eat one to two times a day. And so I'm just not eating as much volume. Therefore, I can spend a lot more money on high quality foods. But we're eating less. Do you find it's kind of evened out that way as well? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Incredible. First of all, we eat a lot. Like my family and I, like my husband is an avid cyclist um, and he's not keto, but um, he eats what I eat and then like plus a bowl, like whatever he wants, like rice or something. So, um, but I, I mean, I don't, I eat a lot less now, but like let's say my one or two meals a day are on the bigger side. I'm really active and I remember when I was paleo, oh my gosh, the amount of food I would go through. Like I could eat, like you said, three meals plus snacks a day. And these were not cheap meals. It was like eggs and bacon and avocado or this. Now I have coffee and like one or two meals. And I absolutely 
notice a huge difference. Like I would buy the same amount of food, but it would last way longer. So yeah, yay for keto. <laughs> Definitely saving money. Completely. Okay. So what about food waste? Are there certain ways that you try to avoid food waste to save on budget? I know that when I was first, when I moved out on my own, I didn't totally understand that like, I don't know what I was thinking, but like food didn't go bad and I would spend all this money on groceries and then two weeks later have to throw everything out because I didn't use certain things and it was such a waste of money and it took me years to figure out that that's, that was the major hole in my grocery budget plan. How do you cycle through food or how do you avoid that waste so that you can stay on budget? So I think because... So luckily, this is where like my restaurant background comes in. I see a lot of people, and I get a lot of questions from people like who are scared to eat leftovers. Like they think food goes bad after two or three days. From my restaurant days, I'm like, I'm I will make food last. Like if food is properly stored, it can last like a week in the fridge. So I don't, I, and I'm I'm also not one of those people that's like, oh my god, germs like in food. I don't know why food food born illness doesn't. I've, I've never gotten sick from my own food, so it doesn't scare me, but. Um, one, I store my food properly. If you store your food in airtight containers and use clean utensils to serve yourself, that will last a lot longer. Um, I also save everything. I repurpose leftovers. I save veggie scraps to make my bone broth. I make meals like stretch. Like, you know, when you have make something and there's only like one chicken thigh left or like one scoop of ground beef and you're like, oh, this isn't really enough for a meal. Add, add crispy eggs to the ground beef or like throw some cauliflower rice in there and some veggies and you have like fried rice. So I really like, oh, you know what's another one of my favorite hacks is adding bone broth. If you have any kind of leftovers, make it a soup. And that way it, it like really makes, stretches the meal all over again. I hate going away food and I think maybe it comes from like my parents and growing up with like Cuban parents who grew up, you know, in Cuba without anything. So that food guilt about when we grew up and we're starving is really ingrained in me. <laughs> So we don't throw anything away. I will freeze stuff. I will make stretch stuff. I will repurpose stuff. Um, like, and I will always store my food properly. It really makes a big difference in how long it lasts in the fridge. I'm so happy you mentioned that. That's one of my top tips too, is like if I notice produce is getting a little bit funky and I know that I won't be able to cook it in time, I just chop it up, freeze it and wait until I'm making a soup and then I throw it all in a soup. Yes. And Soups that is... Favors. Yeah, it's the best. And even too, if I notice that, you know, chicken's been sitting in the fridge for two days, it's already cooked. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what to do with it. Also soup, and then I'll freeze it. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there are lots of options. Okay, so you mentioned AIP. And I want to spend a little bit of time chatting with you about AIP, because I know that there are a lot of women listening that are interested in the autoimmune protocol, how to kind of merge that with keto. So Maybe we can talk a little bit about what the differences are between classic keto and more of an AIP approach and why somebody would even want to do that to themselves. I know. Okay. It's a doozy. So first thing I want to like clarify, keto, I, I, the way I feel at least, is like a way of life. Like when you go keto, you become a fat burner. This is like for the long haul, right? And keto is something that you can sustain long term. Whereas the autoimmune protocol is, you know, or autoimmune paleo, it's an elimination diet. It is not meant to be a forever diet. It is a doozy and it's very difficult and can often cause people a lot of stress. So I think when people think like or feel that they're going to have to eat like that forever, it can be a deterrent. But remember, the autoimmune protocol is a tool to discover trigger foods or things in your diet that are causing symptoms and inflammation. But you're meant to add other things back in eventually. 
as an example, I can now eat eggs, I can eat chocolate, I can eat coffee, um, I can eat cashews, I can't do nightshades. Like, I will nightshade and I, mm-mm. and that was really a scary thought many years ago, but hey, three years nightshade free, feel great. I have hundreds of recipes nightshade free. You know, once you get used to something, it's like your new normal. So, keto is low carb, no sugar, it's meant to like pitch into ketosis, get your body burning fat which can be very anti-inflammatory, as we know. But autoimmune protocol is meant to dust out the trigger foods in your diet. You eliminate eggs, nuts, seeds, seed-based spices, any kind of legume, dairy. Um, I mean, anything with really high levels of anti-nutrients, anything that with gut permeability, like eggs. And when you omit all these things from your diet, essentially, you no longer have foods that are leaking out of your gut or that are going to... Um, make your autoimmune issues reactive. So once you, you're on this elimination diet long enough, the idea is that your symptoms will reduce or get better or disappear altogether. Then you add foods back in one at a time, and then you should know which foods make you react or not by the time you're done adding everything back in. Because sometimes, I feel like sometimes you don't have to add everything in. You can kind of know. Like it's interesting how people, once they remove something from their diet, they're like, oh yeah, that wasn't doing me any favors. So that's the difference between AIP and keto. Like keto is all about becoming a fat burner um, and like, I guess more about like an energy thing, you know, whereas AIP is all about the gut and inflammation and autoimmunity. Mm. And by focusing on AIP, did you do AIP keto together? Yes, right? I have. So I my first round of AIP, I went traditional AIP. And while it was... It was effective to an extent. I didn't see full remission. I did see an improvement, but I started correlating uh, flare-ups with carbs. Like I would be like, oh, I had like a bowl of yucca root, and then I would flare up, and that's when I was like, what is happening? Like I thought these foods were compliant, so I was flaring with foods that were AIP compliant, and. I started reading about insulin resistance and small intestine bacterial overgrowth and just in general different, um, I guess, issues which would cause, which would make, you know, starches in my system not be the best option. And that's when I started lowering my carbs and lowering my starches and omitting sugars. Um, it was so crazy that I remember I was, when I was in the elimination, I, so my, my autoimmune disease is hydrogenitis superativa, which is a really brutal brutal disease it's you get like painful boils it's like very medieval <laughs> it's so bad and and people are embarrassed about it and it's just leaves a lot of scarring in it so i i remember i so you also get these boils in like very delicate areas like under your arms inner thighs buttocks like under your breasts like so just to make the matter worse it's like in places that people are embarrassed to talk about i didn't have it under my breast until after i started nursing my son and I remember during the AIP, if I would have sweets, like an AIP treat with honey in it or something that was really carby, there was like one side, like one, I could call it my sugar boob because if I overdid sugar, immediately I'll get a boil underneath it. And it became so apparent to me, like, okay, I got to stop with the sweets. Like, they're killing me. And, and yeah, so that's how I found my way to AIP keto because I realized I'm just that person. <laughs> That's the ticket I drew that I have to go the extra mile to see results. But it worked. 
And how do you plan on keeping your autoimmune issues in remission? Like now that you've reincorporated foods, you said chocolate and coffee and eggs. How do you plan on kind of keeping that down, if anything? So the great thing about AIP is because the foods that you omit aren't inherently bad, right? So coffee isn't bad and chocolate isn't bad or eggs aren't bad. And even tomatoes, like tomatoes are great. Like they're delicious. Eggplant, peppers. I wish I could eat them. Nightshades just make me react and they might make you react. It's That's the great thing about the AIP that you do this elimination diet and you find out which foods make you react. It's not about like no one can do the elimination diet for you, even if they have the same autoimmune disease. You know, if you have Hashimoto's, great. If you have Hashimoto's and your best friend has Hashimoto's, you still might have different trigger foods, you know? So once I did my elimination diet and then I started adding in foods back in one at a time, and luckily I was very successfully able to reintroduce um, eggs and coffee and chocolate, but, you know, like I can't do some nuts. I can't do, um, like I said, I still can't do nightshades or gluten or soy products. So I still have my foods that, I, that make me flare and I just live without them. And I focus on the things I can eat, and I can eat a lot of great things. Um, so I do a dairy, mostly nuts, and nightshade-free keto, which I know might sound really hard to some people, but um, I guess, like I said, it, it's my it's my choice. I choose to live pain-free, and I choose to enjoy the foods I eat. And this is this is you know I'm living my best life this way, so it doesn't really doesn't really bother me. And I think people have to realize that you can't get scared of food. And that, that happens a lot on the AIP. You eliminate so many things from your diet, you start suspecting all foods are evil. Because, you know, you, you read articles about anti-nutrients and lectins and tannins and all those things. And, and like the phytic acid and, you know, gluten. Yeah, it's, of course, like these anti-nutrients exist in all foods, but, you know, cooking foods, fermenting foods, preparing things really reduces the level of anti-nutrients. And the goal is to heal your leaky gut and heal your body enough to be able to eat these foods again. And the more foods you have in your diet, the more, you know, nutrient-dense your diet is. So it really is about healing and being able to add in as much as possible. Amazing. Yeah, that's really the goal. And it's interesting you say that because I know when I was first getting started with my healthy living, you know, thing that I was doing about 11 years ago, I was told I needed to remove gluten. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and kind of going through all of these pieces and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so restricted. I'm going to hate every moment of my life. But now it's like, what? once you start to feel better, it's like, why would I, why would I choose to eat gluten? Like, I would not make that choice. It will make me feel horrible for days, maybe even weeks. So why would you do that? So I like that you've brought that in too. Um, okay, tell us about your book, Made Whole. So Made Whole, I'm super excited about it. It's, it's like a dream come true. I wanted to write a cookbook since back in my restaurant days. Um, Made Whole is an, AI, it's, it's an AIP-friendly uh, keto paleo cookbook. So the whole book is keto recipes. It doesn't have any like starches or sugar or alcohol, grains, um, night, and the whole book is dairy, nut, and nightshade free, which I think my goal with this book was to create a book that was a no-brainer. I want people who are trying to troubleshoot to be able to get this book, cook from any page, and feel great without having to think too much about it. Um, so the recipes have tons of variations. That's like my main thing. I'm all about flexible recipes. So of the 150 recipes, 117, I think, or 120 are AIP or have AIP modifications. There's egg-free modifications, coconut-free modifications, and they're, they're really fun recipes. Like you said, like, you know, you don't, after a while, you, you live this life, you make these choices to feel good, 
and you don't feel deprived. And I have found so much joy in cooking it this way and eating fun, creative, beautiful food. And I really share that in the book. Like these recipes are awesome. The recipes you can serve to your friends and your family and at parties and everyone's going to love them. I have a lot of multicultural influences in the book, like croquetas de jamón, which are like a Cuban staple, like croquettes. And I have um, Middle Eastern stuff like shawarma and, um, you know, seites. And I just have and, and like Lebanese sauces and just so many flavors from around the world, all done without food that could possibly trigger people. Um, there are seeds in the book. But like I said, there's a lot of AIP modifications and egg free modifications. And I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited for it. I think people are really going to like it. It just, cause even if you don't have these food restrictions, the recipes are so, are like, they're really great. Some of my, it's like, I think it's some of my best work ever. And um, I'm stoked. I'm stoked for it to get out in the world. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome that you feel that way. It's such a gratifying feeling when you like look at your book and you're like, yep, nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. And it it was a little hard at first, I feel, because the recipes in my jam. But when I started writing the front matter, I was really... It's crazy that the the direction that the front matter took. I talk a lot about, well, we're talking about today, like budgeting, like the, the whole book has one master grocery list um, for the whole book. So there aren't any crazy ingredients. I want it to be like everyday life usable. People like me, like cooking for family. I have a five-year-old, you know, like it's, and I also go a lot into my own personal, like the emotional side of healing and being honest with myself about my choices and my intentions when it comes to diet. Cause I also have like on top of healing, weight loss goals because I struggled with that my whole life and that can get really like I think especially for women who struggle with with their weight their whole life it's so hard to break that cycle of like always going to over restriction when you want to see results and setting the intentions with your food choices about like I am making this choice because it's going to benefit me not I'm making this choice because I know it's going to make me lose weight Um, because when you have hormone healing to do when you have fatty liver disease or insulin resistance or estrogen dominance, like you need to heal those things first and the liver and the hormones and the gut, they're all tied together. All of this, it's, it's like there's a synergy in our body and we really have to think of the system as a whole and, and, and give it, you know, some love and some TLC first and then the rest will follow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. And where, where can people find you, Christina, if they want to learn more about you and make your recipes and all the things? Oh, thanks. Yeah, so I am online. I have my blog is thecastawaykitchen.com. And I'm there on my recipes and posts about all this stuff. And I have a Facebook group. I'm on social. I'm really active on social media. I love Instagram. I love connecting with my readers. So I cook a lot on Instagram stories. So at the Castaway Kitchen is where you can find me on pretty much all my social media handles. Perfect. And we will include links to a bunch of different things, including your book and all the stuff over on the uh, today's show notes, which you guys can find over at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E86. And thanks again for coming on, Christina. It was awesome to chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. 
we cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.